it is 9 a.m. in New York, 3 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 8 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to this very special edition of Expat Happy Hour, focusing on intergenerational wisdom. This is Sunday Shenander Bean of sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. In preparation for this episode, I was searching and searching for exactly the right quote to capture how I felt about our guest today. Scrolling through Pinterest and Googling quotes on womanhood and connection, nothing seemed to capture it until I saw this anonymous quote. Behind every dope woman is one hell of a story. (laughs) While there might have been more eloquent quotes that are suitable, this one felt perfect because each woman on today's podcast is one hell of a woman. And I know that that isn't magic. I know that they've done their work to get there today. So it is my absolute pleasure to kick off this very special four-way interview here on Expat Happy Hour today. And all of this is part of this series on intergenerational wisdom. If you recall back in episode 226, The Space Women Crave, I declared what I believe and what I want us all to imagine including imagining a world where women of all ages are respected for their wisdom and are seen as relevant, valuable, and forward-thinking, with safe spaces where it's okay to be wrong, and they can lift each other up, bring each other closer, and find power within themselves and among themselves and be vulnerable, brave, authentic, and loved. An invitation to momentarily hit pause on demanding modern lives, opting instead to reflect, share our stories, as well as offer and receive support. This is exactly what happens today on Expat Happy Hour. I'm so excited because you've seen the amazing women that have joined us in the last few episodes. Renee Washington from episode 227. Marianne Tolkovsky from 228, and Helen Jane from 229. In this episode, all three are here by my side. What better way to discover a glimpse of the answer to this question? What do we discover when we get women across generations together and have open and deeply honest conversations? Renee representing 60 plus Marianne, like me in mid 40s, and Helen Jane having just completed her 20s. We joined together to explore unexpected learnings, things that we've gained from the process. And we together dived into womanhood and the narratives that we're so sick of being fed about relationships, marriage, our bodies, success, and more. And it was a deep and meaningful, in-depth conversation. And while I wish I could share the entire thing for you in the interest of time, I can only give you a taste. Here's a listen. (music) 
All right. It is my absolute honor to have these three gorgeous souls together for the first time as our fourth piece of this intergenerational conversation. We just did a quick check-in with each other. And right now I'm noticing I'm feeling like a lump in my throat. I'm feeling moved just by how special this is for me. And part of it is from joy because this is so special. And each one of you is given your time and energy. And I know that it's your most precious resource. So I'm so honored by that. Uh, at, At the other hand, I'm also saddened. Like, why is this such a unique thing that we're coming together across generations and having this conversation? So thank you so much. I wanted to to dive in right away. You've already heard in the intro and you've probably been following along with the episodes of who's with us, but I wanted to just share to each one of you directly what I took away um, from our process after our conversation. And then we're going to dive into some other juicy stuff. So Renee, since you were the first one that we did that you kicked off the series with me, I just wanted to let you know the impact that you had on me uh, after the interview. First of all, I couldn't stop thinking about the interview. Like the next morning, I w- that's all I was thinking about. It made such an impact on me. And one of the things that I took away was, you know what? You can do hard things. You can go through hard things. You can end things. And on the other side is a really fulfilling life. So you gave me so much hope after our conversation. I just wanted you to know that. Um, and the other thing I took away, actually, I learned from your Facebook post, Renee, afterwards when you shared the podcast, was that um, just because you're 60 plus doesn't mean that you've already embodied your wisdom and have taken the throne. You know, I called it the throne, the crone, crone throne. throne. <laughs> yes. Right? That I exactly, <laughs> I asked myself, How many women are out there with this amazing wisdom and they haven't embodied it yet or they haven't owned it yet, right? So those are the things that I walked away from from our conversation together. Yes. yes. Anything that popped up for you, Renee, after after we talked? Absolutely. It stayed with me too. And, you know, the the first thing that was so powerful for me was just the fact that we had the conversation. Just the fact that we had the conversation because in this time of supposed disconnection and not being able to be in the presence of each other and yet still, you know, we connected across (laughs) continents you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i just think that's so amazing that and and i and i do think it's it so speaks to the time that we're in that you know how we come through the pandemic how we come through all the upheaval and unrest is the power of connection so that was what was so amazing um for me and then the other thing was just that reflection on where i am in life you know, from an age perspective, you, you know, your conversation really made me pause and think about that. I mean, I know what my chronological age is, um, but when I think about it in comparison to who my mother was at this same age and just what a shift in difference there is as far as, far as 
the differing expectations that we both had from life. You know, my expectations are just so much more expansive mm-hmm. than my mom's um, were. So, yeah, it, there's just been a lot of reflecting on. And as you know, for the for what the purpose of this conversation is, you know, how can I do a better job of connecting across generations? Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Marianne, um, after we spoke, uh, I walked away noticing that because we're both in our 40s, I started the conversation assuming um, similarity and understanding and sort of a trust that we shared generational overlap. And the irony in that is that I focus on commonality first, but when I think about our conversation, I ironically represented the girl that you felt different from as a child, right? And that was that says so much about what do we choose to focus our similarities on or differences and how we bring so many multiple identities to our conversations, right? And we can, some are privileged over others, and that we never know what part of our identity is triggering for other people or can even be represent as painful for other people in their stories. So that was something I didn't expect. I walked away going, I had such a great time talking to someone who was in my, you know, in the forties, something's with me. And then after I reflected, I was like, Oh, but look at how significant that was as well. Yeah. I, I want to tell you, I, I really appreciate you holding space for having a voice in that. Um, considering that. And, you know, I'm learning to step into my identity more. I'm realizing the paradox Mm -hmm. can coexist. You know, we can be the same yet different. I can be me and I can be a we. I can, you know, support and also challenge. And it's one of the things, um, you know, I have the benefit of learning in this training, the DEI training that all three of us are involved. Renee, you as a teacher and Helen, Jane, you and I as students we're learning, you know, to look at that mm-hmm. um, paradox and how it can coexist. And even, you know, something that's coming up for me today, especially is I'm not responsible, yet I mm-hmm. can make a change. You know, the things that have happened in uh, previous generations, decisions, choices, experiences, I may not be responsible directly, but I can still be, you know, responsible yeah. to make a change. Any other reflections that you had after we walked away from that conversation? I think the similarity (laughs) was just feeling like we don't have a, it's it's the patriarchy. We kind of touched on that a little bit when we were checking in, not feeling like we have a voice Mm -hmm. to speak up being a, a woman and the body piece too. I noticed even Mm -hmm. with Helen Jane, she had similar experiences as as I did about an eating disorder and rejecting the body. And Renee, I don't know if that was your experience um, growing up, but I I, I see that all the time in women, no matter what race, age, Mm -hmm. class, (laughs) religion, we're taught to reject the body and have to deal with some kind of healing from that. Totally. I I remember realizing that my way of rejection was rejecting feminine. So I was like, I really judged pink. I judged women who were, were friffy skirts. I didn't because, and I was 
I was actually rejecting femininity, wasn't I? Like, and I didn't even know I was doing it. And it was like, take me seriously, world, right? I'm legit, <laughs> right? So yeah, that was, that's powerful. Yeah. And there was one last thing I wanted to say. I realized, in, and I don't know if this came up for you Sunday, but in my realization after our conversation, I think there are a lot of women in our generation that almost had to prove we were worthy in uh, work and relationships to the point where there is this emasculating experience where women are doing everything and it's creating this experience of feeling so tired and having this pressure, we have to do it all. And then there's also this experience of attracting people in relationships that are maybe not doing it all because they're letting us do it all. And so um, I see that becoming pervasive in in our generation. So that was something that interestingly came up after the fact. Right. I'm just exhausted even thinking about that, right? Like my whole body just goes, oh, I just want to drop it all, right? There's something about carrying it all. What's interesting about that for me is that I think that exhaustion, that is a commonality across generations, and that we don't even recognize it. You know, that speaks to Sunday, your thing about, you know, well, my generation had it harder than your generation. And really, you know, when uh, as soon as you said that, Mary, and I was like, yes, I'm just so damn tired. <laughs> I'm just, you know, and, and that, you know, that is something that we can connect to as far as still, as far as we've come this male female dynamic as to who carries the load and all that. Yes. There have been a lot of changes and a lot of um, things that have, have improved for women and still, and still that um, those of us in the, the nurturing caretaker role carry a lot of exhaustion carry a lot of guilt for wanting to just rest. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was not taught how to rest growing up. Like not at all. I had to learn that in my (laughs) forties. I'm still trying to learn that. Yeah. Helen Jane. So when you and I talked, I had so much fun in our conversation and what you taught me so much. And one of the things I loved about what you shared was let's just stop the competition of right. Like I have it harder than you. (laughs) For for those of you who haven't listened to this yet, you'll hear it. I had it really bad. (laughs) Stop the competition. I love that. Like why? Why is it a competition? I really, in my body, and this whole wisdom fusion project has been acting on something like like a hunch or intuition. And now that I'm experiencing the learning, it's now like that inner knowing, like we have so much to learn from each other, right? All of us. And I feel like people in their 20-somethings are lower on the age hierarchy, often are probably seen as the least to offer. And I, I just know that's not true, right? I know that there's so much to learn. Um, and it really did, it opened up my eyes, like why why not have friendships that are like 
you know, I'm 40 something. I have a friend who is in their 20 somethings. Like, why isn't that just a given? Why is that something that seems, um, unusual? So those are some things that I took away from our conversation. Yeah. I, I love their conversation and already what's been said has been helpful and really insightful. And I think that for me, what I took from our conversation, I think the most was to stop assuming that when someone older, a woman who's older tells me their opinion on something I did or their, you know, I got it harder than you. It doesn't necessarily come from a place of judgment because I always felt like it was like in a, whatever comment they say will be in it's just me, right? I'm imposing that. They've never said that, but they're like, oh, well, you know, whatever, like don't do this or maybe you should have done that or something. And it comes from a negative place rather than a place of wanting to be a mentor and wanting to help out and say, listen, I've been through this. I know partly, not exactly, but I can relate to this. And this is how I got through this difficult time. But instead I could kind of like do the rolling my eyes, like, oh, like she thinks she knows more than me, which, you know, in some ways it's true. (laughs) Um, So that's what came out of it really for me was kind of seeing these comments more. Maybe they've been, you know, they're not said in the best way all the time, but that there's this kind of foundation behind it of like, learn from me. Um, And that, that might as I might as well take, you know, the, the good things out of it and learn from it. And I think the other thing that I got, which is interesting because Renee, you already mentioned it is that idea of exhaustion because we didn't say the word exactly in our conversation, but Renee, you just put your finger on it because that's when one of the things that I think Sunday you had assumed that, you know, we had it easier. And especially when it came to feminism and to the place of women in the world. And one of the things is, yes, in some ways I had it easier, but being very aware of everything that's going wrong can also be exhausting because you can't, like you say, Renee, sometimes I just want to be in my family and not have to explain that feminists don't hate men, you know, things that for me are taken for granted but I know that when I go wherever, I save the family because that's where I interact with all older women most. But kind of not having to go through that whole, okay, let's start explaining those things and everything. So even at, now I've just turned 30, but even at 25, I was already exhausted of having to explain, you know, in some ways because I was aware and I had done the reading and my university degree luckily had a lot of that into it, right? So it's just interesting already that I hadn't put that word specifically, but you're right, Renee, like already exhausting and that wanting to do something, but also wanting to take a break. Like I don't always want mm-hmm. to be like the feminist dictionary for my whole family, but I don't know if I don't do it, then what happens kind of thing. Right. My instinct right there was to look at Marianne and, and ask like, do you use your voice? That's what I wanted to do because it's like, how many times have I been in conversations where I'm like, do I let this pass or do I say something? And I'm wondering, like we, Mary and I talked about the using your voice. I'm wondering about how much fatigue you have from using your voice or if you're now actually finding your voice and starting to use it recently. So another thing that came up between our interview and now was um, someone pointed out to me that I'm very alpha and I had, I could relate to you rejecting the divine feminine because I reject, I don't want to be alpha. I don't want to be that person that's like overpowering and, 
and when that was pointed out, I mean, it's been pointed out several times before, but now I realized, oh my gosh, that is a gift. Mm. And I should not battle myself to try to reject it. So I've been speaking up, but because I reject the alpha, I feel like I'm not being heard. And that mm. is exhausting. So I think there's this thing that's shifting and being our owning that, okay, I have a voice and what I have to say, I hope my intention is to contribute and help and don't fight myself in being heard or recognized or mm. validated. Keep going, keep doing it. So that's where I am personally. Um, I don't know if other women can relate to that, but I, I feel again, that emasculating piece, there's been almost this guilt of, okay, I've been guilty of contributing to that. Now I want to step into the divine feminine, but I'm also an alpha when it comes to how I feel, how I express myself, how, you know, uh, uh, my husband, he supports the matriarchy. So I, I run the household and he, he is okay with that, but he also does his part. Other relationships I've had before were not like that. I was doing mm-hmm. everything. So it's starting, everything's starting to align. Mm -hmm. I go between like (laughs) silence and righteous indignation. There's really not a lot in between. (laughs) I'm working on that. So true. Renee, I'm watching your eyes. I'm wondering if any of this resonates or do you have some wisdom (laughs) that you can help us with right now? (laughs) Oh yeah, no. Well, well, no, it, no, it, it, it resonates on so many levels. So, you know, being a black woman in America, it is almost like I'm in a constant state of rage and I'm having to take myself out of that rage and be intentional about, about not living in rage. And then, yes, the the um, the patriarchy, matriarchy dynamic of that, that as women, we still have to to battle. And yes, even, you know, as you know, um, from a you know, we're talking about intergenerational, who has it harder, you know, now, you know, because we are more um, uh, aware and sensitive to the racial dynamic in this country and all of the history that's been, um, you know, suppressed and denied and, and lied about. And we're seeing in, 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 in different groups, you know, Hispanic, Asian, all the things that are happening. And, and so now there too is that a, you know, a little bit of tension, like, okay, who has it worse kind of thing. So there's just so many things out there now to um, keep us in a state of it, of exhaustion and tension and frustration. And so you really do have to be intentional and that we cannot carry, you know, when um, Marianne said, you know, being in, about being in previous relationships where, you know, she carried everything. And I I can relate to that too. And, you know, when you look at that, even from a bigger uh, picture of just even having to think about all the things that are wrong in the world, that is a heavy load to carry on a day-to-day basis. And yes, there is that more than one thing can be true of, I want to do my part. And then I have to, you know, I, I have to, you know, allow myself that, that, that state of renewal, that, that time away, that, that time to just be. 
And and I th- I think that can be very hard for us as women to um, to do that and and to be okay with doing that. Right. There's like zero permission. And I think that's one of the things that I took from our conversation on Sunday that older generations can learn from younger generations because we've I and again I'm talking mostly for me as a white woman also so there's a lot of that baggage that I don't have to to deal with but I maybe not in my teenage years but partly because of social media and all that there's kind of been this movement of your voice is valid but also you're allowed to take a break mm-hmm. right like you're allowed to not always be on and that mm-hmm. doesn't make you less valid when you come back from that break mm-hmm. no it's not like oh well you yes. haven't done anything for even if it's a year like I'm in school I'm too busy I'm doing obviously what I can on a personal level but I can't always be out in the world. And there's kind of that, you know what, like the, you do you, like, it's fine. You can do, obviously there are certain things that, uh, you know, it's important to call people out, but there's also that it's okay. Like we can't judge your life because we don't know it. We don't know what's happening at home. We don't know what you're dealing with on a personal level. So kind of taking that pressure off a little bit that, and maybe obviously not everybody, but I've worked a lot on that and I can see a lot of my friends and everyone kind of have that conversation when it's like, you know what, I'm exhausted. And they're like, well, just go for a nap. (laughs) It's that simple, you know, like take a break, do something for you then. What can make you happy, right? So that's kind of the thing that I'm realizing that maybe we can teach each other in some ways and tell you like, it's okay to not want to do things, be 100% go all the time. And again, it's not a competition. You don't have to prove to me that you've done enough already and that, you know, your generation had it hard and I don't need to prove that I'm still having it hard. Like why not instead kind of have those moments where we can fight together, but then also have those moments where we can say it's okay to, to stop. Mm -hmm. I had to get, I think an iron deficiency and have a baby (laughs) for me to even think about taking a break. You're talking about taking a year off. I'm talking like talking five minutes off. (laughs) (laughs) This really goes into, you know, what I wanted to talk about of, you know, what are some harmful narratives that we're just so sick of being fed, right? And one of them is your worth is tied to your productivity, right? That's one of them. I, I don't know if you have something on hand that you can contribute. I thought about this question before we started. And my answer surprised me. I wrote the harmful narrative that I'm sick of being fed about, you know, and I, you know, what, pick, pick it, relationships, marriage, family, career, body, success, aging, et cetera. I wrote down stability. You know, Pema Chodra's book, When Things Fall Apart. It's like, why does everything have to be so damn consistent all the time and maintained all the time, Right. I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, it, it, it actually does. Um, you know, this, you know, this thing of that life should be that we should be happy all the time, that um, things should be wonderful. And um, that happens. Happiness is like an end goal that we think is um, just barely eluding us. And, and once we get there, is static and and we know that's not true and so yes to and I actually have been 
embracing more that it takes all the things, it takes all the emotions that to to really live a rich life to to yes to understand that at times things will fall apart i want yes i want to be happy i want to live a a beautiful life a wonderful life but that does not mean i will be happy all the time and that to set to set set yourself up with that expectation just immediately takes you out of ever having really the, the opportunity really ex- to experience that rich life. So yes, to, to know that when things fall apart, there is a reason and that, you know, how we um, allow ourselves to be a part of the coming back together. That's the richness of life. That's the growth. I, <laughs> Sunday, I think you and I are kind of representing opposite ends of spectrums in our <laughs> generation. <laughs> Because I've been trained to, my father was in the military, so I'm a Navy brat. And so I was always the new girl. So, and I mentioned to you uh, in a previous conversation, being the rebel, like I'm always going to ride the tide and stability is basically holding Mm -hmm. me down. So I, I always need to shift and change and you know, most people are afraid of change. I'm like, what's next? What's new? I'm tired of this. I don't want to be bored, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, absolutely, that's Mm -hmm. kind of. (laughs) how I felt about stability. Like you're not going to condition me to be stable. (laughs) I know, right? It's a lot of pressure. Because you know that, that's that stability thing is, and it's also containment, constriction, restriction. That's why, you know, people, you know, particularly women, since we know that's what we're focused on, you know, stay in situations and relationships that have, that, that, that haven't ever served them Mm -hmm. or no longer served them. You know, we want to stay in yes. the known and, and we really need to let that go. And I think that that's funny because it kind of is what a 20 year old sees like a 40 year old woman is like, that's the thing. Right. What I was saying was like, oh, you're consistent at that point, because apparently it happens with age. I don't now that I'm you know, starting my 30s, I'm already realizing that that's not true and that there are lots of changes. But I think a lot of women do put themselves are like, no, I have to stay in this job because. That's just, you know, that's where I am. But also as women, it's for other people. Well, like, well, if I decide to go back to school or to change, then what about my family? What about my boss? What about mm-hmm. my team? What totally. instead of thinking of themselves? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you have kids too, and yeah. like you have kind of like that motherhood instinct. And even if we don't have kids, right, we've been brought up to think of others all the time and not ourselves. But I guess with age, it becomes even heightened of like taking care of others and thinking of others. And then it comes to a point where you're like, well, oh, well, there's only 10 more years before I can retire. It's like, isn't it sad if someone like for 10 (laughs) years is just waiting to retire? Like, And then what? Like, if you didn't do that for 10 years, like, how are you suddenly changing when you retire? (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed listening in to our conversation as much as I have. At this point in our conversation, we dove into the narratives that we were sick of digesting, sick of replicating, narratives we worked hard to drop and some that we were still working on. Like, why are we programmed to apologize? 
why are we so hesitant to put ourselves first when we know everyone will win when we do? Why are women often focused on not quitting when it's actually an act of quitting on themselves? Why is working hard the only way that you have to show that you're doing something worthwhile while we ignore the benefits of adding ease into our lives? What's with that we have to be nice all the time, even when it is at a cost to ourselves? Why is there a narrative that good work always has to take a long time? What about this pressure to prove ourselves to have worth? And why is busy a badge of honor? So what about you? What narratives are you so sick of digesting? What are the tropes that you feel are put on who you are or who you should be that you just want to drop? Those are important to pay attention to because like the ones that we mentioned, they control our lives or what we've seen in our own work, the lives of our clients. And once you drop them, you find freedom. We also paused and shared privately the questions that we have on our hearts and minds, but don't really feel like we have permission to ask, right? I want you to think about that. What is that question on your heart and mind that you'd love an answer to, but don't feel like there's any permission to ask it? The answer might surprise you. Mine did. I wrote it down and I shared it with them. What came up was, am I missing something? Like, am I not using my voice or my power, my wisdom? Something in that question was, is there a place where I'm not doing enough? Another wrote down, are all my efforts worth it? Or am I making it hard for other women to be my friend? Maybe yours is something like, When am I going to stop being so exhausted? Whatever it is, these are questions that are worth asking. And doing so in a community of other women like this makes it so much more powerful. All right, let's dive back into this conversation with these amazing women so you can hear what's next. So now as we come to a close, I'm really curious about this experience that we've shared. What does this multi-generational or intergenerational conversation inspire you to want to know, experience, or do more or less of? I know for me, I'm, I'm hungry <laughs> for more conversations like this. I know this is powerful. I know that I will learn more about myself and we will learn more collectively if we have more conversations that are intergenerational, that are not tied to our family roles, not tied to people that have agendas for us. And I'm hungry for that. I think it, to mine ties in with yours, which is to find a concrete way to apply that. Mm-hmm. 
because I think it's difficult if both sides aren't aware of that effort, right? We've all come into this conversation being very aware of this, but breaking that dynamic, I'm just trying, you know, when I speak with older women, they are coming from a place again of the mentor and it's kind of an awkward thing to be like, no, I just want to be your friend. Like, can we both, can I also give you advice without thinking, you know, I'm insulting you because, you know, you have more experience than me on certain points in life experience and how to actually apply that to life because I, it's difficult if both sides aren't aware and aren't willing. So that's, and I, I'm all about the concrete stuff. So I'm still, you know, in reflection mode about how I can apply that even to the relationships I've all, I already have with my mother and my sisters about how, how can I switch this conversation so that it becomes what we've just had, which was amazing. It's mm-hmm. great. Marianne. I love what you said Sunday and I love what you said, Helen Jane. I just echo like an intentional, clear, conscious space where um, we can have these conversations. This was super fun and needed Mm -hmm. for me. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm going to have you take the throne, Renee, (laughs) as the final thoughts. Happy to own the throne. The Quone Throne. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tag it as Quone, our little play on words to incorporate Queen as Black women designate ourselves. And I am grateful for these intergenerational conversations. And uh, what, what comes to me is that I will be even more intentional. I do have relationships across generations, but from from having these conversations, it's made me more aware that I can be even more intentional in those relationships with women who are older than me and with women who are younger than me to be more curious, to be more, um, to go deeper, to go deeper in, in the connections that we have, because I do believe that it is time for us as women to take over, that the matriarchy is time for us to, to run things and, and, it, and, it, and that it will take all of us to, to really change this world and make it what it has the possibility to be. So I do believe that's an intergenerational yeah. mission. Thank you. So just wanted to wrap up with I can't even find words <laughs> for how how meaningful this has been to me for your time. You've been more than generous with your time and your wisdom and your openness to this process. And I hope that people who are listening get inspired to do their own process with the people that they know in their community. And this is just the beginning of the Wisdom Fusion Project. So you are huge founders of this whole movement because of your contribution. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for making that real. So there you have it. I told you, dope women with amazing stories. This is just a taste of what we discover when we get women across generations together and we have open and deeply honest conversations. As you can tell, it was my absolute honor to be part of that. And I'd love for you to experience something that special. 
If you've been following along since episode 226, you know that this is all part of something much bigger, what I'm calling the Wisdom Fusion Project. In honor of my eighth business birthday coming in June, I'm celebrating, and this is a gift I'm offering to my community and also to myself. It's an intimate invitation only, six week intergenerational learning experience among women. Today is just a tiny taste of what's possible. You can learn more by going to the link, Wisdom Fusion, in the show notes. Keep in mind there's no cost, but spots are very limited and the window to apply is closing soon. It's important that we gather a group of diverse women representing the generations from 20 to 60 plus here so we can have these deep and meaningful conversations. So do apply if you feel called. It is certain to be transformative. This is an opportunity for you to discover new facets of yourself, learn from other women's hard-earned wisdom, share your journey and support others who just might need it, discover that you're not alone in your challenges, be inspired, and become part of an intergenerational community of women that you can call upon for support in the future. And perhaps most importantly, redefine womanhood on your own terms. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words of Christopher James Gilbert, a poet and philosopher, also known as Chris Jammy. He says, We often hear about stepping outside ourselves, but rarely about stepping outside our generation. Um. <laughs>